You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. We're talking about uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, about these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so we put a little twist on it for us. So we talked about living faith. We're talking about hope lives, and we're talking about evolution. And so uh, we're going to start beginning to talk about hope lives. Now, hope lives around here has really be kind of become a theme. And when it c- came up, you know, um, I'll be real honest, the first time a few years ago, I had really never preached much on hope except for the hope you're not supposed to have, which is natural hope, which puts faith into the future, and you can't receive it. And so really that's all it, and yet I've known and maybe touched on a little bit, there is Bible hope that has nothing to do with natural hope. And yet a lot of times we just concentrate on natural hope. And then in our circles, sometimes we don't want to talk about hope. Hope becomes a dirty word, but really in the Bible, hope is a a word, it's, it's joyful confident expectation. And really when faith and hope work together, and for me, what I've discovered is that when I'm in faith, then my hope begins to soar. Bible hope begins to soar because I have a confident, joyful expectation because I believe something. And so I want to talk to you about that today. So I want everybody to shout, hope lives. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, Always be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you for your reason of hope. Why do you have hope? You know, you and I ought to be different today. There's a lot of hopelessness out there. But you and I should be full of hope no matter what's going on around us. And people might want to ask you, why are you different? Why aren't you discouraged? Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you concerned? Why aren't you, know, what, you, know, are, why aren't you, uh, you know, grabbing your chest and grabbing your knees? And, you know, wh- wh- what's, what's wrong with you? If you really cared, you'd be concerned. Well, that's not really true. If I really care, then I'm going to get in faith and then I won't be concerned and I can help pull other people out. But there's a lot of people that are hopeless today and let me tell you why. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. Ephesians said, why are people hopeless today? That at the time you were without Christ. So this is talking about who? Ephesians is written to Christians, but this is talking about who? It's talking about people that are not born again. And so if, the, if that's the truth, uh, it, this is the truth. But if the truth is, uh, you know, even if I saw something and it's very low, but I saw something from Barna that I really believe is accurate. It said 31% of the citizens of the United States of America claim to be born again. In other words, if you ask someone if they're born again, if they say yes, they've had a born again experience. Or if they don't claim to be born again, even if it's more than that. I've seen others that go maybe up to 40. But just because someone calls themselves evangelical doesn't mean they're born again. And anyway, that term's been hijacked for political purposes. So you and I are born again. I'm not ashamed of being born again. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Now, but look at this. So if someone is not born again, so let's just say for argument's sake, that's 60% of the United States of America. That's high. Put that scripture back up. If that, if that happens, 
then it says that you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth and strangers from the covenant of promise. That's 60% of the United States. I know. I know. But it's a fact. So we can either bury our heads and hope it away, that wrong kind of hope, or we can get into real hope and understand this. Watch this. The people who are not born again, 60% have no hope. And when you have no hope, you act a certain way. When everything is about this life and all you're living for is this moment, then you become very selfish. You become very self-centered. You become very fatalistic. You become, um, you know, people can get very... um, um, dogmatic. I mean, it's just very interesting. But you've got to understand, they are hopeless. I diagnose their condition of being, they're not born again, but I can diagnose their problem and why they're saying what they're saying and why they're acting the way they're acting and why they're doing what they're doing. They're hopeless. And when you're hopeless, You act a certain way. You talk a certain way. You do a certain thing. Because when someone is hopeless, they're grabbing for things. When they're hopeless, they they kind of throw the limits off and it becomes all about them. But you, why? And they're hopeless because they are without God in this world. Someone who is not born again is without God. Are they without God? Now listen up. Is there a remedy for that? I'm looking at them. You are the remedy for that 60%. Come on, you are a minister of reconciliation. You have been given a word of reconciliation. Is there any spiritual people in this room? Come on. Is there any spiritual people in this room? What are you called to do? Restore them. What are you called to do? Help them. Amen. Not, not say, well, you know, the, the, they get what they get. They deserve what they de- deserve. I, you know, they're not part of us. We disdain them. We don't like them. No, they're your harvest. The Bible says in Psalms 2, y'all reading your Psalms? Psalms 2.8 says the heathen are part of our inheritance. As much as healing is part of your inheritance, salvation of souls is part of your inheritance. As much as prosperity is a part of your inheritance, heathen, those that are not born again, the 60%, that's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. They belong to God. They're his children that have walked away. They're his children who have not received him. They're his children who have even rejected him. But nonetheless, he wants to be their father. They're your future brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, they're long lost family that we got to go get them. We got to get them. We got to get them. Why? Because they're hopeless. Because they don't have God. Okay, now let's look at this. First uh, Thessalonians 4.13. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that have left their body, those that have died, that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. When a believer dies around here, we call it a celebration. We call it a homegoing. We call it a promotion, right? Because we know when they took their last breath, they didn't cease from being. 
They just were in heaven. That's why you got to be careful when you're talking on your deathbed. You better be careful what you're saying. Because you're going to say it on the other side. You might finish your sentence on the other side. So it better be, I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Oh, there you are. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. Amen. Now, you and I, when, we, when a loved one goes to heaven, it's hard for us. Well, you know, I mean, there's very few people I know that it doesn't do something to. You know, um, uh, I miss my dad. I think about him every once in a while. But... I don't think he misses me. <laughs> I don't think he's got time. I, I've, since I've understood this, don't feel sorry for anyone who's gone to the other side. They wouldn't come back. I told you stories. I had this one lady, um, her name was Christine. She was, uh, she was one of my mamas, and um, me and her, she would got kind of was dealing with something, and she got ill. And um, uh, we were agreement partners, and uh, we had agreed that she would be healed and she would live and not die because she was really too young to die. And so she had an episode in the hospital, and they called me and said, uh, she's coded and she's dying. She's died or something, something like that is how the story goes. And so I got in the car here, and I was driving on 565 rather fast, but I told the Lord, nope, we're in agreement. And Christine and I always are in agreement. And so I'm sorry, you're going to have to bring her back. You said, you can do that? I had faith to do it because we were in agreement, and I know me and her have known. I mean, we've agreed things back together. One time we agreed her car got stolen in Tulsa. It was an old piece of junk. We agreed, though, it would come back with a full tank of gas. That's what she wanted. You know what? It came back the next day after whoever took in Joy Road around, the, around Tulsa, and they had a full tank of gas in it. I thought, girl, if we could have done that, why didn't we just believe for you a new car? <laughs> She was always losing her keys, and we'd agree together. Sometimes I would get mad. It's like, Lord, don't let her find them this time. She always loses them. Let them be lost. But we always found them because we agreed together. But I remember I got to the hospital, and she had come back. After a few minutes, a few times, she'd come back. And I walked in the room, and I pointed my finger at her. I said, listen, you're not going nowhere. I'll never forget it. I was so mad at her. I'm still kind of mad at her. She looked at me and went, I swear in agreement, right? She's like, mm mm. That's not fair. She was in heaven for a little bit. I know it, I know it, I know it. And she got to see all of her family, but she peacefully went back <laughs> where she just was after she saw everybody, hung around, saw everybody, and then left. All I'm telling you is the reason that you and I are the way we are is because we have, a, the Bible calls it a blessed hope. They have none. When someone who is not born again or a family, when they, when they bury someone, there's torment with that. And most of them don't realize that when someone dies who has rejected Jesus and rejected his word, they, y'all, hell is reality. We have got to reach them. Because you and I have hope, and it's contagious. No, that's really contagious. If COVID can spread from person to person, then we believe the gospel can spread from person to person. No, that went around the world quick. This can go around quicker. But we got to start sharing. I want you to get out of the maintenance church mentality. 
I want you to get out of the maintenance church mentality. United States churches have now become missionary churches. We're in a nation that is, there are less, there, the percentage-wise, there are less Christians. There are more non-Christians than Christians, real Christians. But guess what? We can change it because we have a foundation. Are you all with me? Pastor Mark, this is not good news. We're going to get to the good news. But I need you to see what you're dealing with and why are they hopeless? Why have they no hope? Because they're not born again. They're without God. You and I have hope. Amen? Now, I don't want anybody getting up a load to go to heaven today. I think you all need to stay here and finish your work. But when someone does go to heaven, we're not hopeless. We're comforted by the Holy Ghost because we have this blessed hope. We know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Now, let's move on. Let me ask you this, though. Have you ever felt, and the Lord really dealt with me again about this, and I remember the first time he talked to me about it, it was really strong. If you ever feel hopeless in a situation. Now, I don't want to admit it, but I'm pretty transparent in front of you all. Um, I have in situations, you just feel hopeless. How is this going to change? It just doesn't, you, you know, I know God, I know his word, but there, there's, I, they can't, there have not been a lot, but everyone, you just, ugh. and the Lord really dealt with me, and he said this, anytime you or anyone else is hopeless, they have left me out of that situation. If you feel hopeless about something, God is not in that. Because, see, they were hopeless because they were without God. And so you and I can, even though they're without God because uh, they're not born again, you and I can leave God out of our physical body, out of healing. We can leave God out of our finances. We can leave God out of our marriage. We can leave God out of our raising of our children. We can leave God out of our careers, out of our business. We can leave God out of parts of our life. And in that part, if you ever get to the place in a situation you feel hopeless, that means you have not included God in it. A hopeless feeling only comes when there is an exclusion of God. And so you and I have to be very careful that we don't exclude God in any situation. So if you ever feel there, you're going to have to say, Lord, I apologize. I must have let you out. I, I must have let you out of this. I must have uh, closed you off in this because if, if God's in it, you're never going to be hopeless. Are you with me? If God's in it, you're never going to be hopeless. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray, that God, the, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and, and peace because you trust in him. So f- listen, if you, if, if you trust God, what does that mean? If I have faith in God, then I'm going to have joy and peace. And what, and, what, and what does that mean? I pray, God, the source of hope. So if I have hope, I'm going to have joy and peace, and I'm going to have trust in God. So God is the source of your hope. So anytime you feel hopeless, you've got to go to the source. You've got to go to the source. Who is the source? God is the source. What is the source? The Word of God is the source. What is the source? Worshiping God is the source. What is the source? Praying is the source. That I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. So if i got joy and peace, then hope is working in me. Why? Because I trust Him. Then you overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit Himself is the inspiration, is the power that gives you hope.
hope. What is hope? It's a joyful, confident expectation. In other words, when I put my trust in the Word of God, I know I have hope. I have confident joy and expectation that God is going to come through because he's not a man that he should lie. 1 Timothy 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ who is our hope. See, this is what else we got to do. People are looking at you. We claim to be believers. We ought not be acting like they're acting. They're hopeless. It causes them to say things. It causes them to do things. It causes them to post things. It causes them to, to, to be, um, you know, just kind of mad at the world and mad at every. Because you'd be mad too if this was it. You'd be full of fear too if this was just it. And everything in life pertained to these 80 or 120 years. Most of them don't even believe there could be 120, you know, 80, 85 years with the best medicine, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, even at that, you can, you, you can understand, why are they so upset? Why are they so mad? Because they're hopeless. Hopelessness causes you to act a certain way. But you and I should be full of hope. If it annoys them, fine. Have you ever been annoyed by people who are happy all the time? But a lot of times, that's who I want to. I want to hang out with people who are just happy, full of joy. Right? And if you keep acting, because there should be no hopelessness in our life. We shouldn't look at the news you shouldn't look at the news. You shouldn't look at the news and feel hopeless. If you do, you take God out of it. What do you got to do to get God back in every part of your life? Because you need to be overflowing with hope right now. So that word hope, uh, ellipsis, ellipso, it means confident expectation or an assurance based on a sure foundation. Biblical hope is a reality. It's not a feeling. Biblical hope is a reality. It's not a feeling. True hope in God has no doubt. There is nothing future. So it doesn't have any doubt. There's nothing futuristic about it. Natural hope always is in the future. But um, I, I, want, I just want, I want to talk. Come on, Jesus. What does it say? Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. So anytime that Jesus, if I can get Jesus in the middle of anything I do, then I'll have hope. And the Lord, I'm going to tell you again, the Lord said to me, he, and, and he really reminded me yesterday as I was meditating. He just said, anytime you as a believer, you, Mark, anytime you, Mark, feel hopeless, it's because you're excluding me from it. I mean, that's just a real, well, not only is your faith not working, but, but see, these things are indicators of where we are. And that's why, you know, if you come to Cornerstone Word of Life Church, you're coming for me to teach you, to make you stronger, to help you. You're not coming for me to give you cotton candy, Right? Right? You want, you want the word, the sincere milk of the word. You want to grow thereby. You, you, you coming through those doors, maybe you're new, maybe you don't know this. You coming through those doors mean to me you want to change, you want to grow. Amen? We're, we're, not, we're, we're not just getting together to say we got together. We want to learn something. We want to grow in something. And so for me and for you, so if, just think about it in a minute. You don't have to get up and confess or you don't have to, you don't have to come to me and confess. Just with you and the Lord right now. Is there a situation concerning a relationship, concerning, uh, you know, a business, your career, uh, your body, uh, anything where you feel hopeless? Because if you feel hopeless, 
that means you're, you, not God, you're excluding God from it. So well, the first thing you got to do is, Lord, forgive me for excluding you. I realize now that this, is, this feeling that I'm having a hopelessness has nothing to do with you. I'm not without you. Jesus, you are my hope. You are my hope. Now, Holy Ghost, I ask you to give me some scripture, some words from the word that will help me concerning whatever that is. And I guarantee you then the Lord is going to send you on a journey to get full of the word in that area where hopelessness will vanish and hope will arise. Amen. Why? Because then faith will arise. Amen. Come on. Everybody say it by faith. Say, I am full of hope. What does that mean? I have a joyful, confident expectation that God is doing what he said he's going to do. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 19. Hallelujah. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which he is impossible for God to prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Verse 19, now we have this hope. So grasp, hold fast the hope. So you got to grasp. Why? Why do you got to grasp? What, what about the Word of God? Well, what, it's the same as the Word of God. You got to grasp and hold, take a fast hold to it. Why? Because the devil's going to try to come take it away. How's he going to do that? With circumstances. How's he going to do that? With other people. How's he going to do that? With bad reports. So you got to hold fast to the Word of God. And in the same way, if I'm holding fast to the Word of God, I'm also holding fast to my hope. Why? Because this is my hope. This is my sure foundation. My trust, my faith is in it. So I'm going to, everybody say, I'm going to hold fast to this hope. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence behind the veil of God. So I have this hope. I love this. I remember when we did this way a couple, three years ago. But, uh, I mean, this, this comes up to my heart all the time. Um, you know, there, uh, hope is an anchor. I said hope is an anchor. I said hope is an anchor. I said, hope is an anchor. What's an anchor? Well, it's you all uh, on a boat. And so no matter how big the ship is, but even uh, 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 an anchor can hold a big ship in place. What's its twofold purpose? One purpose is when you let the anchor down, it holds you in the harbor where you're supposed to be. You won't drift from where you're supposed to be. You won't drift from where you're supposed to be. You won't drift. Your hope holds you into the harbor that God has called you to. Your anchor holds you to where God wants you in this life because the enemy, the devil, is always trying to pull you away from your place. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Your hope in God anchors you. And then what else does an anchor do? Well, I'm told I'm not, I'm not a um, fisherman or I'm not someone who has, you know, a ship or anything. I don't know this, but I, I've heard it said and I've read about it that even sometimes in the middle of a storm in the middle of the ocean, they'll find a place where they can put down an anchor. And even in the middle of the storm, that anchor will hold that ship steady. Waves crashing it, rain beating down, wind everywhere. And, and then there's an old song called The Anchor Holds. The, the anchor, what is that? Hope, hope, was, which does not make ashamed, 
will hold you in the place where God wants you, and it will also hold you in the middle of the storm. The Bible talks about Jesus talked about that winds came, the rains came, the floods came, and, you know, it fell on two different houses. Well, one that stood was here. They heard the word, and they did the word. In other words, they were full of hope and expectation. Didn't matter how much it rained. Didn't matter how much it flooded. Didn't matter how much the wind was. They knew their anchor was solid. They knew their foundation was solid, and they weren't going anywhere. You and I need to be full of hope right now. Full of expectation. I know the news. I know everything that's going on has tried to beat that hope out of you. But if you're hopeless about anything, if you're hopeless even about the last days where there's wars, rumors of wars, I mean, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, if, you, if that bothers you, get back into the rest of the word, though. It doesn't have to come near you. It doesn't have to come near you. That's for the world. It's going to be happening around us, but it doesn't have to come near you. Who's that for? Why? Because I built my house on a rock. I'm not a hearer only. I'm a doer of the word. It doesn't matter what comes. The angels of the Lord camp round about me because I put my trust and my fear in the Lord. I'm full of hope. I'm full of expectation. Come on, are y'all with me? Are you full of hope? Are you full of expectation? Because God said what he's going to do. Amen. So Take a, but you've got to take a fast hold on the word, and you've got to take a fast hold on the hope appointed for you then set before you. We have this hope as a sure and a steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very presence of the Lord within the veil. You know, often reminded of David. When you think of David, who do you, what do you think of? David was a, a man after God's own heart. David had a lot of battles in life. David, far from perfect. Yet the line of Jesus came right through him. It's hope for all of us. I don't know what you get out of the heroes of faith, but I get out of it. Okay, you don't have to be perfect. Amen. I don't think you can find a perfect one among them. Jesus makes us perfect. So if they could do it and make it there, how much more could you and I make it there? Because we're not coming on our own merits like they had to. We're coming on the blood of Jesus. But often reminded of King David when he would get in trouble. You know, the Psalms were reading through him. A lot of those are from David. A lot of times you see, because people think, well, that's not David. That's not full of faith. Well, he wasn't living in the covenant we're living in. But he was crying out to the Lord for help, and the Lord responded. And one of the ways the Lord responded was for us sending Jesus. Amen. So we're not in the same position that King David was, but there's a lot to learn from the Psalms that he wrote because they're inspired of the Lord, and it's important for us to see them or they wouldn't be in the Bible. They wouldn't be in the Scripture. So I'm often reminded of this one, Psalms 42. It says, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why is my mind, my will, my emotions, why, why are you down? Why are you, why are you sad? Now, I'm not telling you to go around asking other people why they're sad. Because David's talking to himself. <laughs> why are you disquieted? In other words, why are you discontented? What's, what's going on in you, David? Then he says this, hope thou in God. And that's asking him, don't you, don't, don't you place your hope and your trust in God? And then he says, yeah, I'm going to yet praise him. 
I'm going to yet pray. So I'm looking around, and it looks kind of hopeless. And he, he even grabs himself, I call it by the nap of the neck. And he shakes himself a little bit, and he's like, um, why are you so sad? Why are you disquieted? Why are you cast down? Why do you got a frown? Let's turn that upside down. You know, why? You know, it takes, they say it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And, and so why are you disquieted? Hope thou in God. Everybody say, I hope in God. I trust in God. And so if you really do, then what's going to happen? I'm going to yet praise him. I'm going to yet praise him. I'm going to yet praise him. I, why? Because, because, because he's my help. And then Psalms 42, 11, he says it to himself again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for who he is, the health of my countenance and my God. Amen. Amen. So it's important. It's important to realize that when you feel hopeless, when something's not going your way, you can grab yourself. Have people around you that you've given permission to. Now, don't just walk up to people and say, you look um, I'm depressed. Let me help you. Well, you might get something back. But, you know, but you can do it without even saying something. You can be the person full of joy, full of victory. And either annoy them and send them away or they'd be like, give me some of that. But hope thou in God. So don't let yourself, if you catch yourself being hopeless, because I'm just telling you right now, when you talk to people who are not born again or who don't know what you know who are believers, even, this, this is going to sound strange, but even believers, some of them are, some people classify them as unbelievers, but really what they are are doubters. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God and they'll go to heaven when they die. But everything else they just deal with doubt all the time. And if you had doubt or unbelief, you're going to be disquieted. You're going to be hopeless. You're going to waver. You're going to be tossed. Does the Lord want you tossed? He does not. Does he want you hopeless? He does not. What does he want you to have? Joy. What does he want you to have? Peace. What does he want? He wants this hope, this word to be an anchor for your soul. I wish I could stand up here and tell you everything's about to all get better until Jesus comes. But you see, I've read the word and I know that's not true. Well, pastor, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is you and I are going to stay in the word. What's going to happen is you and I are going to stay in the word. We're going to stay full of the Holy Ghost. We're going to walk in the blessings of God. We're going to walk in victory. We're going to walk in health. We're going to walk in blessing. We're going to walk in peace. We're going to walk in joy. Our marriages are going to be good. Our children are going to be raised. Um, um, you know, all kinds of wonderful stuff is going to happen because our focus is on the Word. Our focus is on Him. Why, if my focus is on Him, Jesus is my hope. Je Come on, say it with me. Say, Jesus is my hope. Say it again. Jesus is my hope. One more time. Jesus is my hope. He's my joyful, confident expectation. I look to him, the author and the finisher of my, of my faith. He who began a good work in me is going to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not moved by what's going on. I'm not moved by the circumstances. If you're moved, then you've got to become unmovable in your faith. And the only way to do that is to get into the word of God.
And, and when you, in this hope in him, we will not be ashamed. He will not let us be confounded. He'll not let us put to be put to shame because our confidence is in him. Amen. And, and we got to be like David. Let's be more like David in this matter. Listen, when we feel hopeless, we've got to find a way to, to, it's not like you're digging yourself out of it, but it's kind of like this. If you're hopeless, you feel like you're in a well. Well, how do you get out of that well? Well, one step at a time. Just, just one, or you're, someone's going to lower you a rope. The Lord's lowering you a rope. But how do you get out? You get out one step at a time. Or let's, for me, he lowers a ladder. I, don't, I can't do a rope. Uh, he lowers a ladder with rungs on it that are strong. And then what, but how am I going to get out? I'm going to have to get out one rung at a time. What is that? One praise at a time. One confession of the word at a time. Amen? When it comes at me again, tries to pull me down. Well, I, my hope is in him. My confidence is in him. Amen. My, I'm going to praise him for the help of my countenance. What does that mean? I'm not going to look sad. I'm not going to look mad. I'm not going to be dismayed. I'm not. What do we got to do? Has the devil been throwing things at you, Pastor Mark? Well, I'm human. I have a brain. I have a mind just like the rest of you. I know that there's been a global thing going on, but I also know by the Holy Ghost that each and every one of you have faced uh, more, a phys- more mental attack than you've ever faced in your existence. And you don't talk about it, but I know it's true. And so with that, what do I know? The devil knows his days are short. The devil knows this hour. He knows what this hour is. And he's, he knows that we're about to look at him and say, is this the one? Before they kick him into the, the yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, I want to tell you this. Brother Keith Moore, he says this all the time when we were in Bible school, and I know he still says it. He said, if the devil ever gets to bothering you, especially about your future, he said, what you'll do, what you do that'll get him on the run is if you begin to tell him about his future. He's trying to tell you, you'll never mount anything. You know, you've messed up. You're never going to get there. It's all hopeless. There's nothing to it. He said, if you'll begin to tell the devil what his future is, well, this is what the Bible says about you. The Bible says you're going to be locked up forever. You're going to be tormented day and night. They're going to put you in chains, and there's no way out. What you think about that? You begin to tell him about his future, he'll leave you alone. Oh, he'll come back, but keep telling him about his future. Amen. Glory to God. I'm full of hope. Full of hope. Often reminded of um, one of my favorite accounts in the Bible. I'm sure it wasn't his favorite, but he had so many. The Apostle Paul. Remember when he got on that ship, they were taking him to Jerusalem. No, they're taking him to Rome. I'm sorry. They're taking him to Rome. And remember he, had to, he, he said, you know, I, I want to stand before Caesar because I'm a Roman citizen. And the Lord, remember, uh, he warned them. Don't do this. It's going to be a mess, and we might lose our lives, and they ignored him. Remember, the storm came, and that storm came, and they just they got in the middle of that storm. And the storm, literally, they were in the storm, and it blew them with the storm. So wherever the storm, like, it's like a hurricane, if you got into it in, uh, in Africa, and then went, you went all the way to uh, New Orleans, they couldn't get out until they were shipwrecked. So they constantly, all those days and nights, in a storm, in a hurricane. So they were all, the Bible says, without hope. Hadn't seen any sun, hadn't seen any stars. They were without hope. What are they all thinking? We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. So what did Paul do in the middle of the storm? I love this. 
Because this takes something. You see, when a storm is happening, you want to look at the storm. You want to talk about the storm. And everybody around you wants to talk how bad this storm is. This is a bad storm. This is the worst storm I've ever been in. We're going to die. Yeah, probably. We got any bottles around here we can put some notes in? Maybe someday somebody will get one. You know. You know. I mean, they're, they're all planning to die. They're all, and they're talking about dying. Well, I didn't get to do what I wanted to do in my life. I mean, it's just bad. So Paul excuses himself, and he goes down into the belly of the ship. And he begins to do what? He begins to pray. He begins to seek the Lord. He begins to turn his attention away from the hopelessness into Jesus, who is his hope. And so he's down there. And what happens? The angel of the Lord or the Lord himself comes. I heard people say different. It doesn't matter to me which one you think it is. The angel of the Lord or the Lord himself. I don't know. But heaven has come to talk to him. And heaven came and gave him instructions. And when you have instructions from the Lord, what should happen? Faith should come and then hope should arise. If you're in faith, you're going to be full of hope. You're gonna, if you believe God, if you believe the words that were spoken, if you believe the words that were written down, if you believe what God has told you, what's going to happen? You're going to have faith. And when you have, come on, when you have faith, you're gonna, then what's that going to do? It's going to, your hopeometer is going to, it's going to be pegging on the, you know, on the good side. It's going to be pegging. It was hopeless, but you got a hold of the Lord. The Lord spoke to you. You got a rhema from the Lord. And what's going to happen? Your hope is going to go like crazy off the roof. And so much so that Paul now has confidence to go up and tell everybody what's about to happen. Why? Because he's heard from the Lord. Well, Pastor Mark, do we need a prophecy? Do we need, a, you know, a certain revelation? It, that's all good. But you have some words that have been written down for you. And you can share them with anybody you want to share them with. And they will work for them if, you, if you'll begin to share them. If you'll begin to share encouragement with them. Because everybody on that ship, except for Paul, was hopeless. There was not a man on the ship who thought they were going to get off alive. But they believed this preacher even then when they didn't believe him at the beginning. Because remember, he said, everybody eat up. Come on, let's eat all of it up. And then after they ate it all up, they threw it off. And, and, and what happened? The, the end result is what? They began to believe what Paul had to say. Because remember, the prisoners tried to get off. And he's like, if you let them go, we're all going to die. He's like, get them, get them, get them. Don't let them go. They begin to see when you're a person of hope, that, that's why I said your hope can then be contagious because your faith you've heard from God. And so let that be where we're at. So what do we got to do in this time? Even if you feel like, well, finally the storm is subsiding. Well, but even if the storm is subsiding, we have to come up out of the belly of this with, with a word of hope. With a word of confidence, knowing who God is. And listen to me, I really implore you. The reason we put those things on the, you know, there, yes, we want to know who sit there, but we want you to take them and give them to somebody. Maybe you're not comfortable yet ministering one-on-one -on -one to somebody, but get there. Because people who are without hope, if they're hopeless, then they need to be around the word of God where they can get some hope. Listen to me. They may not understand our kind of church. They may not understand our style of worship. They may not understand why we lift our hands and praise the Lord. But if you get them in the room, I guarantee you God's going to deal with them. But you just got to get them in the room. Get them online. Do something. 
Because if they're hopeless, whether they're born again, say they're going to heaven, then they don't have the word they need because the word they need will bring them into a place of hope. And if they don't, are not born again, then they're living in hopelessness and you and I have the answer. Come on, everybody say, I have the answer. Say it this way. Say, I have the answer because hope lives. Why does hope live? Because Jesus is living. Because Jesus is alive and he is our hope. So in Paul was in the middle of, the, of that ship, in the middle of a storm being tossed. The Lord came and ministered to him, and he came up from that place full of hope. He told everybody to do what? Cheer up. What is cheer up? It's a sign of someone who has hope. Come on, everybody say cheer up. Cheer up. Are you cheered up? Yeah. Are you cheered up? It's easy right now to tear up, but we need to cheer up. Hallelujah. Even in the middle of a tear sometime, just wipe it off and then just thank God and, 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 and rejoice in the Lord. Yes, you go through hard things. Yes, hard things come. They do. They do. But the Lord will deliver you out of them all. I mean, he'll help you in every situation. You are not of them who have no hope. You, you should be full of hope, full of joy, full of confidence. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. His hope is an anchor for your soul. Come on. I think Vanderbilt is the one that does. Don't they yell anchor down? I think they do. We have a teenager that plays football up there. I think I've heard him say anchor down. What does that mean? I think in God, we need to anchor down. Put it down. Let the Lord hold you where you're supposed to be. Don't let anybody get you off course right now. In the middle of any storm in your life, personal storm in your life, let the Lord be your anchor and don't be moved. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.